This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. All right, guys, well, I am going to continue on. Uh, we are doing Design for Destiny number two. And this one will be Finding God's Will. Did y'all get anything out of last week? How many of you know that you have purpose? Can't believe the lies of the world. And so my question is, are you fulfilling God's call in your life? Do you even know what God has called you to do with your life? Do you have any idea what your purpose is? If not, you are certainly not alone. Like I said last week, I, I, I believe that 75% or more of the body of Christ probably can't answer the question when asked, are you 100% sure that you are walking in God's will? We see the whole idea of God's will is this big ominous, well, I've been seeking God, and, and I'm, I'm just not, I don't, just don't know, I'm just not hearing anything, but this door opened for me, so I'm going to step through it. It must be God. We are told in, in the Word that we are the light of the world, right? We are called children of light. And Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17 in the NIV say, Be very careful then, as children of light, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Are the days evil? The days were evil 2,000 years ago, and the days are evil today, right? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Guys, we are told to not be foolish, but to understand what God's will is. How can we be children of light, and how can we build God's kingdom if we don't know what His will is? We can't. We've got to start by realizing, as we talked about last week, that God has a specific, unique plan for your life. God created you. You are not an accident. You did not evolve. You are not a mistake. God created you, and He created you with purpose. Amen? My, real quick, my points from last week, number one was God designed you in His image. We talked about how we were created with different likenesses that God had. We talked about the triune likeness. God is the three-part being. We are three-part being. We were created with His mental likeness. We have a mental capacity far beyond any other creature that was ever created. We talked about a moral likeness. We have what we would call a conscience, a knowing between good and evil. We have a social likeness, the need for love and for fellowship. We have a creative likeness. We have been given a creative and artistic ability that nothing else in creation has. You, you don't generally see your dog being creative, right? We were created with creative ability because God is a creative God. Number two, actually, we talked about how we were made in God's image to have intimate fellowship with, with Him. He loves us. And he gave us the ability as beings created in his image to love him in return. And we can express our love for him in ways that nothing else in creation can. Number two, God planned your life before birth. He told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God specifically planned your life. He dreamed. He meticulously planned and thought out and wrote down the plans for your life. And then I mentioned number three, true peace, joy, and fulfillment are only found in your purpose. You may find many things in this life that you're good at. You may find many things in this life that you enjoy. 
But you won't be truly satisfied and fulfilled until you are seeking after your purpose. Until you're doing what God called you to do. Isaiah 43 verses 6 and 7 say, they, they tell us, we read that last week, that we were created by His name and for His glory. And we glorify Him by acknowledging who He is with our lives. As our Creator, as our Redeemer, and our love. And then, there, and then again in uh, 5.17 it says, do not, uh, Ephesians 5.17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And so that's what I want to talk about today, is finding God's will. Many people think that in this life that God just kind of, God just kind of winds us up and sets us down. And then we just go about our way through life, making our own way. And you know what? Maybe if I get in trouble along the way, maybe I can call out to God, and maybe he can rescue me where I'm at. That leaves us to this place where we're making our way through life on our own. And the problem with this thinking is that it brings us to a place where we're doing what we think is best, and then we're asking God to bless what we're already doing. God, please bless the work of my hands. God, give me favor in my job. Lord, we, all these things. We're doing that instead of seeking him for direction from the beginning. We're asking him to bless what we're doing. I remember one time, I remember praying. I was felt overwhelmed, and I was in the car, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, I need you. And I felt in my heart, I felt the Lord respond and say, no, I need you. And I went, oh, heck. Sometimes we try and pull God into our boat instead of us jumping into his. Does that make sense? It's kind of like I mentioned for a moment last week, water always flows down the path of least resistance. Y'all you you seen the map? You've seen the Mississippi River? That, that river doesn't flow straight anywhere. I mean, it's like, isn't that right? Little oxbow lakes that are cut off and everything from the river, and man, it just cuts around everywhere. Why? Because obstacles determine its direction. Obstacles were never meant to determine our direction. Never. And many times, that's what we do in life. We follow the path of least resistance, like water does. And we allow the obstacles of life to determine our direction, and and ultimately our destination. And we're praying, God, bless my life. Bless what I'm doing. Bless what I put my hands to. And God's going, you're not even doing what I designed you for. Of course it's hard. Of course there's lots of obstacles. We've got to seek God's will, know what it is. Because like I said last week, I think many, if not most Christians, are at a place where they're not 100% sure that they are fulfilling God's will for their life. But they've finally gotten around some obstacles to a place where things seem to be going kind of smoothly right now. And they love Jesus and they come to church. And so everything kind of seems good. And they've kind of gotten satisfied and quit seeking God for direction in their life. I read a story this week. I want to read to you real quick. It said, there was once a man who netted three trout from a mountain stream and carefully placed them side by side on a thick patch of grass. Before he removed them from the water... They were like a liquid ballet in motion. They were fluid, graceful, vibrant, alive. But after he netted them, it was a whole other story. As the trout lay on the, gra on the grass, they were motionless. Their eyes were fixed. They gasped for air. And the man thought they act and stu acted, I'm sorry, looked and acted rather stupid. The man noticed that they seemed unhappy, so he talked to them, hoping to encourage them. Little fish, he said, don't be sad. You'll like the grass. Just try it for a while. 
no movement, no response, no change. A few more seconds passed. The man's neighbor walked by, said, hey, Bob, come check out these fish. Bob sauntered over, and the man ex- explained that he was certain the fish could adjust. I'm, I'm sure they could prosper here on the grass. Don't you agree? Yeah, why not, said Bob. So he tried to tell them that it would be good if they learned to like the grass. After all, he liked the grass. Why wouldn't they like the grass? Still, the fish didn't blink. They just laid there, looking more stupid by the moment. Finally, a little boy exclaimed, what are you doing? Put them back. They can't be all they've been created to be when they're out of the water. Finally convinced, the man carefully placed each fish back in the stream. After splashing for a second, all three swam away effortlessly. Again, like a liquid ballet, with ease, grace, and beauty. In that moment, the man realized that no matter how long the fish lay there, they would never adjust to the grass. They would never be satisfied, no matter how much he or anyone else told them otherwise. Even if the fish tried to convince themselves they could learn to like the grass, they never would. And they would never prosper. In fact, they would eventually die. How many people are walking through life just like that? Trying to learn to adjust to the grass. Trying to learn to adjust to something that they were never designed to adjust to. Trying to fit into a mold that they were never created or shaped to fit into. Many people go through life never having the satisfaction of knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're doing what God called them to do. No believer should have to walk through life like that. God created us for something better. We shouldn't be wandering aimlessly through life. We have purpose. When you're doing what God's called you to do, I want you to understand you don't have to spend time praying and pleading with God to bless the work of your hands. I think that so many times we get mixed up with God's promises. We pray and we're begging for God's promises. So many people spend so much time praying and believing and begging for God's promises in their life. And the fact of the matter is, if we would just simply step into God's will and do what he called us to do, his promises would flow. We would prosper. So where do I start? How do I find God's will? They say, I want true fulfillment in life. I want to be satisfied. Well, let me tell you something. Number one, I've only got two points. I had three. I decided to scratch the third one. It wasn't quite fitting quite right. So I've got two. Is that all right? Point number one is um, it's the answer to every sermon. It's the answer to every question. You cannot be in God's will if you don't fulfill number one. Surrender to God and pursue him. And this is, this is what we spend our life trying to do. Surrender to God. What is your level of surrender? You know, it got me thinking. You know, the best way to measure our level of surrender in our life is what's coming out of us. Our works. People like to say today, don't judge me. I'm not saved by works, I'm saved by grace, brother. Well, yes, that's true. But the Bible says, Jesus said, you will know my followers by their fruit, by their works. The things that come out of their mouth, by the attitudes of their heart, by the things they do, by the decisions they make, by the way they walk, you will know that they're my followers. Now, nobody's perfect, right? We haven't accomplished it. We're not there yet. And so, we all have some kind of stinky works that come out of us sometimes. Woo, that was a stinky one. Stinky work. However, hopefully, as we gave our life to Jesus and we surrendered, 
there's more positive works coming out than negative. And hopefully every day there's more and more positive works coming out of us and less and less of those stinky works coming out, right? Because Jesus is Lord of our life and we are surrendered to him. Let me give you an example I got to thinking about. As our pastor in his mini sermonette a moment ago was talking about giving. What is God's will for your finances? His will is that you be exceedingly, abundantly blessed. Right? That's his will. Most of us are still looking for a little bit of that exceedingly. A little bit of that abundantly. Right? We'd like to see a little bit more of that in our life. So to see God's will in that area, we have to surrender that area. Now, Sean and I were both raised as as tithers. And it's one of the areas in our life that we haven't royally messed up. One of those areas that we've done pretty well at. We've always been tithers in our life. Let me tell you, it's so sad talking to other pastors that the church across America is struggling so much financially. God's work in the expanse of the kingdom of God is slowed because of a lack of surrender in this area. How do we expect God's will to come forth in our finances if we don't surrender in what he says? The abundantly, exceedingly blessed part comes as we surrender and do what he says. Do you understand, I've actually really gotten passionate about this the last couple of months. I've always been a tither, but man, and given beyond, but it's just, man, it's just stirred in me lately. I I realized something. When we don't tithe, that's the original sin. That's the sin in the Garden of Eden. That's why all of mankind fell. We've all had this thought before that Adam was so stupid. Just don't eat the fruit. I wouldn't have done it. It's the same sin. Taking what is God's. God gives them all creation and says, this is yours. It's mine, but you're the steward of it. Just don't touch this right here. This is mine. And what did they do? They stole what was God's. And they fell. And now we weekly, we have that opportunity to prove our surrender every week or every two weeks or whatever it is. And for God to prove himself faithful, but we won't surrender that area. But we'll sure spend time in prayer asking God to bless our finances. Guys, I've, I don't want to spend much time. This is a whole sermon. That I, that, let me tell you, I've come to the conclusion, and you can look at it scripturally. You, when, when you're not a tither, you actually close the door to the blessing of God in your family. And you actually open the door, not only just to the devil, I mean to the demonic in your family. It's, it, we don't need to preach another sermon. We have got to surrender in order to see God's will. Jeremiah 29, verses 12 and 13, you can see it in your notes or in the app. says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Guys, as long as you can live without knowing God's will in your life, you will. Does that make sense? As long as it's not that important to you, you won't find it. But he promises here that when you seek him, you will find. He said in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given. 
Seek and you'll find, right? Knock and the door will be opened. God's saying, you will find me and you will find your will when you're ready to get serious about things. Proverbs 6, 3, 16, 3, I'm sorry, says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. If you're not serious about your relationship with God, and if you're not including him in your life, you're not going to find his will. You're not going to find your purpose. God is saying, when you're ready, I'm ready. But we got to get serious about this thing. I was thinking about this. God has got to be included in our life. That's part of the surrender. It's kind of like our marriages. So many marriages that we see in trouble, the husband and wife have started doing things independently. And maybe they've done it all along. And not including each other in decisions. I know wives that get bitter every year during this time during football season. Because our husband disappears for a day or two a week. And is absolutely useless. Please don't anybody start waving or clapping. I, mean, I know husbands that go off every year during this season. And they don't talk to their wife. They go off on hunting trips. They go off to games, and they go off to do all these things, decisions that are not made and agreed upon between the two. I know husbands that are upset at their wives because their wife goes off, and they spend money that he's, she spends money that he's not in agreement on. And it happens over and over again, and they can't come to an agreement on a budget. We have got to understand that there will be problems until we include our spouse in every decision that's made. And understand it's the same way. That's one of the points in your notes. Things will never be right between us and God until he's included in every issue of our life. That is surrender. We stop and we seek God for direction. Before we just go apply for that job. Before we go just spend the money that we probably don't really have on something. We don't include God in the decision. We just go do it and dig ourselves further in debt. God cannot bless us. And we cannot walk in his will until, we are included in every, until he is included in every issue of our lives. We stop and we say, God, I'm slowing down. What is your will? And I will do whatever it is. I will do it. We've got to remember, like I said last week, that he loves us more than we love ourselves. And he wants us blessed more than we want to be blessed. The reality is, we just don't believe those things. We buy into the lies of the world that tells us that we are a mistake, tells us that we're defective, that tells us we're not good enough. The enemy comes in our ear and tells us that God can't possibly have something special for us. God just needs us to stay out of his way. Go to church, sure. Give your tithe, but stay out of God's way. He doesn't have anything special for you. You'll just be in the way. You failed at everything else you've done in life. What a lie. God has more. God loves us more than we can possibly understand. And his will for us is huge. He wants to bless you. The Bible says he has thoughts of peace, not evil. You know what one of the translations of that original word peace means? Overwhelmingly blessed. He has overwhelmingly blessed thoughts for you. If you surrender and let God, have his way in your life. You will live a life 
that is overwhelmingly, abundantly blessed. Now, we've all made wrong turns along the way, right? Let me tell you that when your life is surrendered to God, He is the best GPS in the world. You stop and you go, oh Lord, I didn't surrender in that decision. I surrender to you again. And He says, recalculating. And he has just this crazy knack for getting you right back on path when you surrender your heart again. What does it mean to surrender to God? I I read this online. I thought this was awesome. I put it in your notes and it's on the screen. What does it mean to surrender to God? It means following God's lead without knowing where he's sending you. It means waiting for God's timing without knowing when it will come. It means expecting a miracle without knowing how God will provide. It means trusting God's purpose without understanding the circumstances. (laughs) Those are tough, aren't they? That's good, though. The ultimate example of surrender comes in Mark chapter 14, verse 36. You'll see it in your notes. Jesus speaking. You know where he was. He said, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will, not mine. That is surrender right there. Where we want something so bad that we stop and say, wait a minute. Lord, what do you want for my life? I want your will, not mine. And instead of forcing it to happen, we submit to him and do what he says is best. The fastest route, this is in your notes, the fastest route to God's perfect will in your life is to simply surrender and start seeking him today. I understand it's a process. It's absolutely a process, day after day after day of surrender. One of the best ways to seek him is to jump into his word. Every answer is in there. It's the truth in our lives. I heard somebody say one time, we don't read the Bible, the Bible reads us. Nothing is hidden. The thoughts and intents of our heart are exposed in God's word, aren't they? God's word is truth. And I, I was talking to Shauna. She was telling me a testimony that uh, Priscilla Schreier gave. She was talking about every time we go to the airport and we go through security, sometimes that line is so long. Don't you love standing in the security line at the airport? And we get up there, and what do you hand the first TSA agent? Your ID. Your driver's license, your passport, right? And they swipe it, and they, they look at the computer screen, and they look at it, and they look at you, Right? And they look at their computer screen, and they look at your ID, and they look at you. And then what do they do? Then they pass it under a little light on the counter there, and they take a look at it. And they make sure that it's genuine, that it's authenticated, that it's true. And they give it back to you and say, good day. And they send you on your way. We need to get our decisions, and we need to pass them under the light of God's word. We've got to stop. And including God in every decision in our life, we get it and we pass it under the light of God's word. Sometimes he says, no, that's not my will for you. You say, okay. Sometimes he says, yep, that's it, let's go. And you head on through. There's so many things God's word says. And we don't understand sometimes the consequences. We want things so bad. So many people we've talked to that, you know, somebody who dated or married an unbeliever and very quickly comes back and goes, this is so hard. I, I, well, yeah, the Bible says don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. It does. Why? Because it's going to be tough. And it's going to be tough for you to accomplish what God has for your life. God knows that. He didn't want to just keep you from that good-looking hunk of man. 
<laughs> yeah, that is kind of awkward, sorry. That wasn't his desire. He wasn't trying to keep you from anything except your purpose, or except from not being able to accomplish your purpose. That makes sense? The fastest route to God's perfect will for your life is to simply surrender and start seeking him today. Wowzers. Number two, I wanted to get a little practical here for a minute. Examine what God has already placed in your life. Examine what God has already placed within your life. So you've surrendered, you're seeking him, you're seeking his will for your life. But one of the things we've got to do is remember that we were created in his image. And he placed everything within us that we need to accomplish that will, his will, our purpose. And so maybe we need to stop and look at the things that God has placed within us. Andrew Womack said, he said this, in quote, at the same time that you are being physically formed, God wove in your talents, your abilities, and your purpose. It's part of who you are. Before you were born, God had already written down what your life is supposed to be. He had written down your talents and your abilities. You may think of yourself, you may think you made yourself an artist or an accountant or whatever it is that you are, but you can't bring out what God didn't put in. God gave you a disposition. He gave you certain inclination. Some people are vivacious and lively, while others are quiet and reserved. God gave you the personality you have. He made you just the way you are. You can change to a degree, but you can't change the core of who you are. Because the things that God placed within you were put there to accomplish your purpose. So I just practically wrote down a few things that we need to look at. Uh, Firstly, being our gifts and our talents. I think that's letter A on on your note sheet. Our gifts and your talents. Now, for instance, for me, I've never been the greatest at math. I, I, I just, I'm okay. I, I just don't really like it. Numbers just drive me crazy. I just, I don't want to mess with it. Anybody else like that? So maybe I'm not called to be an accountant. I wouldn't think so. God calls me too. He'll change that. <laughs> I may have to push my way through it a little bit. But what I do know, there's other things that I'm good at. And so you know what? My wife's going to handle the finances. She's going to handle the numbers. And I'm going to do something, with, with something else because that's something that she's really good at. Does that make sense? Have you ever considered the gifts and the talents, things God's placed in your life? Are you athletic? Are you a very strategic thinker? Are you a good listener? Do you motivate others by the things that you do, by your words and your actions? Are you skilled at building things? We need to stop and look at things that God has placed within us. And sometimes... There's quite a few things, but there's something in there that you do better than others. There's something in there that God put in there for specific purpose in your life. And this can be a good clue to what that is. Our talents and our abilities can be a good first indication of what God's will for our life is. Now, we probably also all have some talents and some giftings that we haven't recognized. And that's okay. But if we only look at the gifting and talents that we have, sometimes we can miss God. Does that make sense? So it's good to step out and try new things and be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and try things sometimes we're even uncomfortable with. Because how many times did you go through life doing something and, or, or not doing something because you thought, I, I, I wouldn't be good at that. And all of a sudden, one day, you're kind of forced in a situation where you had to do it and you're like, wow, I'm kind of good at that. It's like, you know, my whole life, I was always a bit more of an introvert. I hated crowds. I hated being the center of attention. I hated being up in front of people. Hmm, well, okay then. And you know what? There's still a little bit of that bent in me. I still 
can only be around big crowds for a long time. I need my alone time away from everybody else. I mean, how many kind of introverted type people do we have? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Introverts just kind of raise their hands like this. How many extroverts we have? It's like, boom. I, I, I'm still kind of that way, but you know what? I've been told that I'm fairly well-spoken. I've been told that I can relate fairly well to people. I've had quite a bit of people tell me that, that I can have a bit of a disarming effect in their lives. You know what? I'm good at some other things. And God is my strength, even in my weakness. Does that make sense? So we need to look at our giftings. Uh, secondly, B is our passions. What is it you're passionate about? What makes you angry? What makes you joyful? What makes you excited? What makes you passionate? We got to take note of the things, now, I mean, yeah, sure, somebody cutting you off on 240, I mean, makes you passionate, maybe, but that's not one of the things that God places within your heart, okay? Maybe you're like me, and you kind of get frustrated, maybe even a little angry at the godless condition of the world today. Maybe you kind of get worked up at the idea that, you know what, this world needs Jesus. I get worked up when I see injustice, abuse, those kind of things what frustrate me. I love stories of, of loyalty and perseverance. And I find myself easily heartbroken over somebody else's grief. I think I'm probably where I need to be. What is it that you're passionate about? It kind of got me, it kind of got me thinking. I don't know if Kim Cooper's here, but but Kim. She goes each week and she's passionate about the homeless. She goes with some folks that, that feed and, and share the love of Jesus with the homeless folks every week. You know? Thinking about Miss Wendy and Hope House. Thinking about, I don't think Paul is still here, but Mike and, and Paul, our Boy Scout leaders, who are passionate about seeing these boys grow up into godly young men who do something with their life. Thinking about, I don't know if they're here, I was thinking about the Mokris and how they were like, you know what, we need to reach out to folks that are in the hospital or those who have lost a loved one. And they, they took that over in our church. And I was thinking about Miss Jo and her heart for people that are sick and wanting to, wanting to minister God's healing and restoration through our healing and wellness center. You know, I was even thinking about, you can't talk to my brother James Sater very long without seeing that he's passionate about seeing marriages restored because he saw that happen in his own life. What is it that you're passionate about? What is it that God placed within you? You need, if you're not sure, if it's video games, you know what, you need to pray and be like, God, show me my passion. I need a passion again. Because God has placed a passion within you, even if it's been covered up by a lot of other things. C is others. What do other people say about you? Now, I'm not talking about bad things right now, okay? <laughs> they say, I'm a jerk. Well, you can fix that. But what do other people say? What do other people say that you do well? What would other people say that you're good at? We've probably all had that moment before where we had two or three people come up and tell the same thing. Hey, good job on that. You're really good at that. And you're like, wow, I've been told that several times. And you never really considered that to be a strength in your life. But if other people are coming around you and telling you you're really good at something, you need to stop and pay a little attention to that. Sometimes this can be an indication of your purpose. Understand, too, that sometimes others can see a truer picture of us than we can. Because we're kind of we're 
bent by our emotions and our feelings. Uh, how many of you have ever thought you were really good at something until people started going, dude, you don't need to do that? <laughs> you got a different calling. If anybody's ever told you don't quit your day job, <laughs> you, need, you need to stop and look at that. And my other question then, are you trying to fulfill someone else's vision for your life? I don't know how many people I've seen that go through life trying to fulfill somebody else's vision, trying to be somebody they're not, trying to be like somebody else. That's others. Last one, D, satisfaction, dissatisfaction. I'm sorry, dissatisfaction. Many times we're told that dissatisfaction can be a bad thing, but it can also be an indication in your life that it's time for change. And I, I was going to talk about that a bit, but I'm actually going to put that off till next week because next week we're going to talk about how to follow God's word. I just want to talk about how to find God's word, how to find God's will. Next week we'll talk about how to, how to follow it. And we'll, so we'll talk about dissatisfaction, some in that. But God has placed within you all the skill, all the talent, all the potential that you need to fulfill his purpose for your life. And that is the only place that you're going to find true satisfaction and fulfillment. And listen, sometimes, even like I was talking about myself, sometimes what God calls us to do, sometimes it seems absolutely contrary to our nature. Any of you ever been there before? God calls you to do something, you're like, that is not me. No, Moses did it, right? But that's all right. As we pursue him, he starts pulling on other things that he's already placed in our life. He starts pulling those out, and he starts pulling on the potential. He can all only pull out for his glory what he's already put in. And suddenly we find that by his power and by his strength, we're doing things we couldn't have imagined. Because God's will is for our life, his purpose for our life is much bigger than you think. It's much bigger than you can figure out on your own. If you think you've got it all figured out and you've got a plan on how to accomplish God's will right quick, it's probably not his will. His will is too big to accomplish on our own. Amen? If we want to fulfill God's will for our life, we have to surrender, we have to seek him, and we need to begin drawing out the things that he placed within us. I'm going um, to show a quick video here in a second. And understand, I, I saw this video a few days ago and I showed the Sean. I was like, this is really great. And yesterday it blew up on Facebook and I saw it all over the place. And I was like, great. Man, it's not going to be original. Everybody's going to be like, duh, I've seen that. But, but that's okay. Um, this is, uh, some of you, I think a couple of you actually posted it online. But it was the testimony that uh, the Billy Graham Association did recently on uh, uh, Joanna Gaines. Uh, her and her husband are the uh, hosts of... Um, What's the show? Huh? Fixer Upper. Yeah, on HGTV. And I, I, man, I didn't even realize she was a Christian. And, and I saw that, and I just thought, how awesome is that? So uh, I want to take just a minute. I want you guys to watch this. As, as we watch it, the worship team's going to come up, and, and we're going we're gonna to close out. Go ahead, guys. I remember as a little girl, my mom was Korean and my father was Caucasian, and I never knew there was anything different about myself until I started going to school, and I'll never forget an experience I had with a school lunchroom. You know, I remember standing there and seeing the sea of people, but like all eyes were on me, and I was thinking, you know, who's going to be my friend? Who am I going to sit with? I started walking through that lunchroom, and then I remember darting straight out, and I found a bathroom, locked myself in a stall. Uh, but, but in those moments is when I really believe that that's where the lie was sown, uh, that who I was wasn't good enough. You know, as we all do, I grew up and I grew out of the insecurities 
I remember in those times, I, I heard him specifically say, you know, Joanna, I have a calling for you. You're going to have a platform one day. And I remember thinking, what does that even mean? And I remember hearing God say, Joanna, there's going to come a time where I'm going to say for you to go, and I'm going to need you to step out and go. After graduating college, you know, a couple years later, I end up meeting this handsome, rugged cowboy who was hilarious, uh, Chip Gaines. And we got married, and he knew that I had this whole thing of businesses that I wanted to start, but he also knew I was never going to just take the risk and start them. I just dreamed about them. And he really encouraged me to step out and make one of those dreams happen. And we opened Magnolia Market together, and I loved it. You know, but at that time, I was also pregnant with my second child, and I really felt like God was saying, hey, I want you home. I want you raising these babies at home at this age. And I remember the last day, you know, we're closing the shop down, and I'm crying because, again, I feel like it's the end of a dream. And I hear God say very clearly, he said, Joanna, if you trust me with your dreams, I'm going to take Magnolia further than you could have ever dreamed. So just trust me. And I remember hearing that and feeling completely peaceful about it. And I walked away. Well, a couple years ago, we get this call um, from a production company, and they ask us to film a quick video of our family and what we do as a business. And that turned into um, the show that we have now. You know, Chip and I laugh. We look back and we just go, how did this all happen? And I remember last year, um, in January, Chip and I took a trip to Arizona, and, and we were driving around, and we found this really beautiful garden, and Chip said, I'm going to drop you off here. I'm going to give you about an hour, and I want you to kind of reflect on the year before, and then just let God speak to you about what this next year is going to look like. And he dropped me off, and I'm sitting under this tree, and I, I felt like God said, Joe, it's time. And I was like, time for what? And he said, it's time to reopen your store. And I said, I don't, I don't think I can do that. And just cool and calm, no, it's time. May of last year, we reopened the shop on Bosky, the little shop on Bosky. And now I look back and I go, God, your promise that you spoke years ago, I'm now seeing. Um, I trusted you with my dream, and you've taken it far beyond what I could have ever dreamed or imagined. You know, I can look back now in the pattern of my life and, and really believe God has a purpose for me, but he also has a purpose for you. And on the other side of that is the enemy, where he knows he knows where to hit. He knows to hit below the belt. He's going to have that fear be if you fail. And what if you fail in front of all these people? What if you fail and don't find someone in that lunchroom? What if your business fails? Whether it's you're staying home with your children and you're raising beautiful babies or you're the CEO of a multi-million dollar company, let God speak into your life. Let his father heart come and say, this is what I have for you. And I think that's the key, not believing the lies, fixing our eyes on Jesus and walking in that truth. I liked what she said there. If Whether you're at home nursing babies, taking care of babies, or the CEO of a multi-million dollar company, you've still got to seek God and allow his heart to speak into your life. I want to have our prayer partners come forward before we conclude here. But guys, he has a purpose for your life, and that's where ultimate satisfaction and peace and fulfillment is found. So I would ask you this morning, what is your life, what is your life surrendered to? We end up surrendering our life to all kinds of different things. 
how many times do we look at these things and we realize they're just, they're just time wasters? All they're doing is stealing another moment that we could be fulfilling our purpose. How many of those time wasters do you see in your life? Let's all bow our heads for just a moment. You're not going to find your will, you're not going to find your purpose until you're surrendered to Jesus. And surrendering to Jesus, that's called making him Lord of your life. You may have never done that. You may have never stopped and said, Lord, Jesus, I need you to be my master. I'm going to submit to you. I'm going to do things your way. I'm going to live for you instead of for myself. Or you may have come out of the womb a Christian, but you realize that, you know what? My life is not surrendered. I still do what I want without seeking God's will and seeking his direction. I still do what I want, and I ask him to bless it. You may recognize that things are totally out of order like that. What what does that mean? That means you need to surrender your life again. You need to say, Jesus, your way, not mine. I give it all to you. Every head bowed, if that's you, and you would say, you know what? I've got to surrender to Jesus again today. Just lift your hand right now. Yeah, who else? But say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm going to give up my way, and I do things his way. That's three. Who else? You know. You know who's the Lord of your life right now. You know who's in charge. You know who's leading the way. Is it you? Is it your emotions? Is it your fickle feelings? Or is it the King of kings and the Lord of lords that dreamed about your life and planned meticulously your purpose and laid it all out before you? If you need to surrender, this is your moment. This is your day. Man, that's five. Anybody else? Even if you didn't raise your hand, we're going to pray together. The Bible says that if you do this and you mean it with all your heart, this surrender thing, that he comes in and he takes the wheel of your life and he'll take charge, all right, and he'll set you on the path to exceeding abundance. He'll set you on the path to prospering in every area. He'll set you on the path path of peace and fulfillment and satisfaction. And you'll be his, and you'll do things that you never imagined you would ever do. And you'll make a difference like you never imagined you would ever make. Simply because you said, you know what, I'm done. And I'm surrendering to him today. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the work that you're doing right now. In Jesus' name. We're all going to pray this prayer together with every head bowed. So I'll say together, dear Lord, I'm sorry for living my life my way. I'm sorry for doing things my way. I'm sorry for living for myself. Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you. I need you to take the wheel of my life. Today, I declare that Jesus, you are Lord of my life. 
I believe that you died, but you're not in that grave. You were resurrected because death couldn't hold you. Death couldn't hold back your love. And today I am yours in Jesus' name. I give you everything. I give you my dreams. I give you my desires. I will follow you from this day forward. Holy Spirit, fill me in Jesus' name. Empower me to do everything that you've called me to do. I will serve you from this day forward to the end in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.